<laughs> it would be a war spot, eh? Hello and welcome to the Wolves Fancast. Proud to be partnered with the 90 Minute Network. Um, it's me, Adam, in the driving seat tonight with Stu, Kim and Jordan as my passengers as we talk about the first league game of the season and a game with full stadium of fans, no less. So that's probably a good place for us to dive straight in. Um, 18 months it's been without having a full set of fans in the stadium. So, first off, I just want to get your your um, experiences and how how was it for you? How was it with a full full crowd of fans? And tell us what your away day was like. So, uh, Stu, I want to start off with you. Tell us what it was like to finally be back amongst a stadium full of fans. It was great once we got in. <laughs> Taking 40 minutes to get, what, 200 yards? through turnstile because there were being vigorous searches that's what the uh, steward described to me what the delay was which i've never seen anything so ridiculous in my life and I, I thought at first that it was going to be an issue with the print at home tickets because why else would there be a problem but when we finally got to the front of the steward who wasn't being screamed and shouted at um he just said that yeah when they turned up in the morning they would have said you need to be thorough and it was they were being searched as if you were going into a prison well, they were checking every every orifice for a nail filed and every, everything like that. But <laughs> I think once we got once we got in there, though, we were four minutes into the game, and but you could hear it as soon as you walked through the turnstile. It was incredible, just the, the wall of noise that you after. I mean, the now infamous song of eighteen months and you still don't sing was very appropriate for them lot because I mean, what, I don't know what what they've been doing. If they've won an FA Cup and a Community Shield and they turn up and sit in a library, it's ridiculous. But the atmosphere was up there with one of the best away days of the last five, six years. It was superb. Yeah, I was, uh, I, I myself, I, I was, I went to the pub near the ground beforehand. It was good just to be back among the pub full of football fans. And I can agree, I do agree with you with the, um, the searching. I did, I was thoroughly cupped. My arse was thoroughly <laughs> cupped when I was searched. And, uh, and the sniffer dog as well. But we got, we got in all right. But, Kim, how was it for you? I know you had a, a bit of a exciting day on, on Saturday. <laughs> do you know do, what? Do you want to tell us about I, it? <laughs> I think I've only just recovered. So I'm actually, I am actually going to reveal that I've literally just had to watch them, re-watch the match again because I don't know how I would have spoke about anything because, yeah, it was one of those days and I think, yeah, I got a bit overexcited to say the least. Um <laughs> In terms of getting into the ground as well, I don't know. I I think there's it was I remember the huge queue, but in terms of getting searched heavily, I, maybe it's obviously because women don't tend to get searched as much, maybe. I don't know, that's my experience anyway. Um, but it just seemed really badly organized. Like everyone was just seemed to be just in not even in a queue in the end. Um so yeah, but to be fair. I was very on time early, easily made kickoff. So maybe Stu should have been a little bit more prepared oh, for this. I was there, I was there at twenty five past two. Mm, 
I was there about twenty past, and I made it. I mean, to be fair, we we had we uh, we clocked in on the first in the Weatherspoons in Ashby de la Zeus at ten a.m. So we had a good three and a half hours um, lubrication time before we we got back on the coast to the ground. And any other time there, it, you get there fifteen minutes before kickoff, no problem. But mm. the problem this time was that the hot because you got M one, M two, M three. Normally, you can just use any any of them. All just go in. It's the same concourse, no problem. This time. The vast majority were in M2 because that's the biggest block. When the whereas you had two turnstile blocks on the side of it, completely empty because the printed home tickets would, for some ridiculous reason, now you have to go through your designated area, and it just oh, caused chaos. To be fair, I didn't know that, so it's just lucky that I must have been in the right queue because no, I didn't didn't know that at all. Um, but in terms of the atmosphere, it was it was absolutely brilliant, um, considering. I was disappointed in Leicester because I don't feel like they're a fan base that you would say, oh, they're really, really quiet. Like, I've been to Leicester loads of times and they, I'm sure they used to be like a really quite a loud fan, despite the clappers. Didn't they have, used to have like a massive like drummer and like was proper like, you know, it's been all right, I'm sure. When yeah, they're, they're, rather, they're rather portly fellow with the big with the drum, wasn't it? Yeah. But you, you, have, you have got to worry if he's dead, you know. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I did think, where's the fat guy with the drum? Because he, he's there and his belly was on, his belly was touching skin on the on the drum, <laughs> as well as everywhere else around him. Um, and I looked so up I and he was... imagine it then? No, no, he's, he's, he's always been there. there. He's always yeah. been there. So uh, he's either dead or they're not allowing in, instruments in. But he... Yeah. When you when you need a drummer at a football game to generate atmosphere, yeah. that kind of says everything to it, really. Yeah. George, you must have uh, not the most of us. You must have saw everyone online on Twitter starting out at seven o'clock in the morning for a game that's an hour away. <laughs> but but then you think we've, we've finally been let out. People have been finally let out. We've been unshackled. Go and enjoy yourself. No, I was envious. I was envious. I won't lie. Um... Like I've said, I uh, had, had the COVID jab the, the night before, well, half five the day before, and watched the watched the game on IPTV via Malaysia with a VPN. Uh, <laughs> under a duvet, sweating my arse off. But, you know, it did sound good, and I did actually enjoy the game. But it's what it's all about, isn't it? Sort of, you know, like last season, whatever you want to say about it, you know. I know there's uh, members of the fan cast that say fans made a massive difference to the <laughs> I think it's a level playing field, but you know what? Like you know, seeing it and hearing it, um, fantastic. And I know a lot of friends who went there and had a great time. Obviously, a lot of people in the fan cast as well. So I was envious, but you know, my time will come, I'm sure. And uh, yeah, like I say, looked a good day and uh, an even better evening for some. <laughs> it's good to see some like familiar faces. I think when I was out, it was good to see some the old some of the old familiar faces you see on the way days and. Uh, yeah, you got to see all the old sights and smells. So at half time, going into a smoke filled swamp with yeah, it literally was. I think it was like an inch deep of piss water on the floor. Did you? Thinking, um, We're back. We're back. Football's back. It was that bad. I mean, I, I know some people will be listening to it this while you're eating or having your breakfast. So kind of skip forward thirty seconds. But the middle cubicle was that bad. There was a floater in there, and people were deliberately pushing it, flushing it to try and get the floater to come over the top and <laughs> inhabit the floor area. I mean, I had brand new, brand new, quite nice vans on as well, and I've had to scrub them clean because all that swamp water just destroyed. They were green this morning. 
the the, the day after. And I thought, oh, you've had 18 well, months to get facilities working. Who wears a was, pair of trainers, new trainers to an away game? I mean, come on. I thought Steve, it'd be, was, it was, was, it, was, it, was this from the gents still the ladies? Yeah, the, <laughs> <laughs> they were. You you saw them. You you can attest to how luxurious they were. Silky. Yeah. At, that, at that time, they were anyway. That could have been the gloss off all the piss water. You know, <laughs> <laughs> never, never know. Can I ask a quick question? With, with with football being back, and something that's only just come to me talking about toilets. Was there anyone pissing in the sink? Because that's always a valid question. You well, yeah, of course. Someone, someone's got the leg up like a dog pissing in the sink. Well, there were when there, there were two two out of three cubicles were broken um, at half time, and then obviously half of the half the toilet block was filled with smoke. So the half that wasn't smoky, you had, you could probably get six blokes around and one in the corner, if you're like Dan. And so there were two sinks. So what's going to happen? Inevitable? Fair enough. Football's yeah, back. I, I had to really like squeeze into the corner of your urinals and then when I come out, it was like stars in your eyes, all the smoke just coming out of the <laughs> toilets was coming out. But... Wow, no, no, like, I've never experienced this. Is, there, is it like rose petals in the uh, in the women's and stuff? No, well, I actually lied, actually. Um, well, from what I remember, Leicester was fine, but I know in re years back when we were in the championship, I'm sure I did experience men pissing the women's toilet sinks quite a few times. <laughs> I think on, on this slight tangent subject, we'll get off in a minute, but I remember the worst one for that sort of thing was uh, Bradford away in League yeah. One, where it was just open season. If there was a, if there was a space anywhere, you just piss, piss in it. Just piece it. It was just, just it was just sprays everywhere in, in the Bradford toilets. That was like the um, the Vetch, the Vetch field when we played there once in '99, and you <laughs> the water in, the, in this one. There was one side, the the ceiling must have only been about five foot eleven. So any any normal sized person would be like bending down, crooking your neck, and standing there. But there was either that or the other side, which was you walked in and it was like a, like an old coal shed made of brick. And it was had a domed floor, so everyone kind of stood back to back and pissed outwards <laughs> onto the walls of this this brick shed. It was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. But, yeah, we've we've moved on. <laughs> uh, brilliant. Right. Well, we'll uh, we'll slowly wrestle it back onto the uh, onto the game itself. So uh, three o'clock came, kickoff commenced. Um, but before that, let's just look at the uh, the, the team lineups. Um, was there any surprises or was there any lack of surprises on, on the team sheet? George, what did, what did you think when you saw the team, as you expected? Yeah, with the news of Samedo isolating still, it was the 11 I thought we'd be playing. It was the 11 from the Celta Vigo friendly. And um, like I said on the, on the show Thursday, I didn't actually watch that game. So I was relatively excited to see how it went, to be honest with you. Um, Looking at our bench, it screams the obvious that we obviously need recruitment, and I know we'll probably touch on that in a bit later on as well. Um, but it's pretty much probably our say strongest eleven, maybe not. But in terms of the cards that Bruno's got to play with in that system, it was probably the safest eleven, you know, and most secure eleven. I've always think if you're playing a back five. I'd much prefer to have um, eight Nuri out left wing back rather than Marcel, but at the end of the day, he's gone for safety first for me out there. What sort of um, formation do you think it was, Kim? Was it was it a five 
two, three or three, four. I couldn't quite make sometimes just came to flick between the two. I think as the game started, but I wasn't sure yeah. what, what show you I think you it was in it was intended to be to me it was a you know five at the back, I think. Um Traore did seem to be playing sort of fairly close to Jimenez at times, I think. Um but as Jordan said, I was a bit I was a bit disappointed when I saw the lineup in a set, but not shocked in the sense that it you know it's quite cautious in terms of full backs. And from what I'd heard, um Lager likes to sort of play with higher full backs. Um so yeah. I know we'll get onto the game in a bit, but I was just disappointed that we were we were played it quite safe. And fair enough, you know, Leicester are a good team. So maybe if we'd have played eight Nuri, he'd have got caught out a number of times, I'm sure, um, with, with their wing playing their fullbacks. But um yeah. I was well, I mean at that time I was I don't know what <laughs> what I was doing. But, <laughs> didn't know he was playing. Um, <laughs> yeah, didn't know he was on the pitch, so uh, Stu, what did you, did you, were you expecting something different than the old uh, Neves-Moutinho partnership in the middle that, of, for, for Large's first game? That was the only thing that I was a bit surprised about because I read read Timothy's article on the way up there and he was talking that one and it talks about how Neves-Moutinho are too similar and Dendonka as well. And I thought, well, it clearly worked better when Dendonka was with Neves in the second half against uh, Salviga on Saturday last week. But I thought, well... If he's come out and said this to uh, to the Athletic of all things, which is going to get picked up everywhere, then surely he's not going to start Neves and Moutinho together. <laughs> and then it, it happened. I thought, oh, okay, but actually, fair play. They actually played different roles for a change, rather than just be on top of each other, as we're getting to. Yeah. So I mean, onto the game itself. I don't necessarily want to go through like as a, as a timeline. More picking out just like individual players and their effects on the game and the, and the chances they had. And I think the best place to start is with Traore, who was quite focal to Wolves in many ways. Really, both as a, in a positive sense and a negative sense. Um, George, the the old quote or cliche that gets trotted out a lot about Traore and you know, sometimes it can be frustrating is the old that's why he's at Wolves quote because obviously he's got the individual attributes but there's six to, to be a world beater but you know he's obviously full short in certain areas and just keen to get your your view on Traore's performance and, and does that cliche really fit his performance on Saturday? Um, in a nutshell, I thought he was good. Um, I know again, seen some absolute shocking takes on social media, but like you do anyway, about oh, he's he's shit, I'd sell him, he's this, he's that. Ultimately, look at the stats, he was the highest rated for XG on the whole pitch, he was the highest rated for XA, which is expected assists for all the non XG nerds. Um, <laughs> he was obviously. And, you know, completed the highest amount of dribbles. I think, I think it was 20 dribbles, 20 completed dribbles. Like, he, like I say, there's no re. you know, we all know he's at Wolves because of, of his quirks and he's, that, and that's the truth of it. If you if he was, if he was more clinical, he'd be playing for Barcelona. So Barcelona never got rid of him because he'd been like messy on that, like bloody juice, basically. Um, yeah, it's a poor miss in the first half. Second half, when he could have laid it across to Jimenez, 
again, yeah, he should be doing better. But, you know, if you look at it in isolation, he was, our, once again, our, our biggest threat on the pitch. Once again, the only player really driving the Leicester back line backwards. And um, to me, I just think there's some shocking takes online. <laughs> where it's like, I'd sell him, I will not play him. Right, if you take him out of the team and out of the squad, who else is going to do that? Because Neto's not going to be around for a couple more months. So who have we got to do that sort of role? You know, yeah, it was a big miss. But if you can start working on that and start taking these chances, he could have a massive season for us. I'd really believe that. Right. Um, there's a reason he's still here, and that was it. That yeah, yeah. game is exactly the reason he's still here, and no one, no one's coming to buy him because... I haven't been that frustrated since Bright's magnificent patheticness at Man City away. <laughs> and other, what his since them two goals against Man City as well, Traore's finishing has been awful, absolutely shocking. And you think how how have you got worse? In, in that game, he was he was great, he was superb, and there were probably harder chances than he had. But it's still the same same old problems over and over again. His final decision making is poor. And he, he hasn't improved. And I think the frustration is more than warranted now that he's been here for three years and for Lars to come out after the game and say, yeah, we need to work with him when it's blatantly obvious that what his issues are and what what's the, the bad parts about his game. Fair play, he's calling him out after the first game. And you think, well, he surely knows that. And the look on his face when he missed the sitter, he knows it himself. But... And I fully get where you're coming from when you say, if he's not there, then what do we do? But we might actually play a different way rather than just rely on him and his pace to get us out of trouble all the time. And we, there was more than enough times in that game where we didn't rely on him and we played some nice stuff. It's just so annoying <laughs> that, I mean, that all anyone was, could talk about when we were walking out the, out the ground after was how he had a good game, but he also lost us the game at the same time. And do we want to be doing this every week? If we if we're creating so many chances and we're fluffing them all the time, and he's going to be the main one at fault for it all, because and I will come on to Trincao as well. And but for someone who's hasn't really well hasn't played English football before, he, he had the the usual things of trying a, a few tricks too many. But he looked he looked more likely to score than Traore, even with all the nonsense for me. And it's just it's just so annoying because he's clearly got talent, but. Where does he fit now? If he's going to be missing chances all the time, it's, it seems as though it's almost like his role has changed a little bit in his first game. He's, he's very much more going to be getting chances his way. But Kim, what do you reckon? What did you come away thinking of about Chara and what did you think of? Was he did he frustrate you as half as much as he did Stu? Do you know what? I actually think it depends if you're sort of a half glass full or empty kind of person on this so I'm almost not sitting on the fence but I get both sides of it and it's like he obviously is a great player and he's he single-handedly I think created a lot of our chances there's no there's no doubt about it so if you didn't if he was say he didn't start would half of those chances have even happened potentially not because half the time he was getting through by his pace you know but at the same time like like 
he just typified it at the end of the game. All he needed to do was at like the 89th minute roll that ball to Jimenez first time. I, I genuinely feel like I would have made that pass. Maybe I'm being a bit, <laughs> maybe I'm being a bit too, you know, overdramatic. But I genuinely think that if he just sometimes had his inks, like just just play the ball, don't overthink it, and he just or he waits too like one second too long before losing it or, you know, he tries to side foot it. The one where he side footed it right into Schmeichel's arm, it's like you needed to put your foot through it then. So he never, it's his decision-making, which is the key thing. Things that he has to do instinctively, not so bad, but decision-making for me, yeah, he needs to improve it. But again, actually, he's more man of the match. So I'm, I'm saying he was no, no good. Saying his decision making needs to get better, but then who else was, who else really stood out? You know, like Trinkau, yeah, had a few decent little runs and stuff, but I didn't feel like he was ever going to score either. Um, so, well, how am I, are we being too harsh on him if we also say that Traore potentially, on your point, Kim, about him overplaying and making wrong decisions? I mean, Leicester got the throw that they scored from because. Truro was overplaying, and there was a simple pass on, and he's tried to dribble it past two players. He's lost the ball. They've got the throw, and then they've gone on to score. I don't know if I'm being too harsh on him there, but that's another example of of, of him where he's he's making wrong decisions re- regularly. Um, but you know, as 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 Bruno said, if if he, he seems though he's going to be the focal point of the team, he's, he's going to be. One of our more advanced players, he's going to have to get some some shooting practice in. But based upon that game, George, where what what do you reckon? What sort of season are we going to expect from Traore going forward? Have you got a positive outlook for him? Is he, is he going to have his best season yet for us? If he's going to be play this kind of new ish role, I hope so. Yeah, I think that you know people will probably listen back to podcasts where I've slagged him off and and call me a hypocrite, that's fair enough. But I feel like I've come out of the other side of it. I feel like uh, like someone who's in a relationship, who you know, maybe I've just accepted the quirks now, and this is it, but I'm quite happy. The good outweighs the bad. <laughs> and, you know, that, that's where I feel like I'm with him now. He's, um, I think, you know, having him and his back up there, his best season for Wolves was, you know, that season, well, two seasons ago, when we got to the Europa League quarterfinals, where he's linked up with him and his. So, He's got someone to play off. Yeah, I do think, you know, yes, he could be more clinical. Yes, I wish he would just put his head down and just run, in, run into a space. And But you just, you just know you're not getting that with him now, so I'm just accepting his flaws. Um, I do think he'll have a big season. Like, I was really happy. It sounds daft. We lost 1-0. I was really happy with the 90 minutes. And I was yeah. really happy with what I saw. So, I've got every faith that. I generally think we're probably two, three signings away from having, like, a really good season again. I don't really think there's any reason why we can't be challenging for seventh again on the basis of what I saw in that 90 minutes. Um, maybe I'm a bit more positive than other Wolves fans out there, which is strange again because I'm usually slagging everyone off. But I do, I've do. i seen enough. I, I feel I feel quite positive and I think Troy Ray is going to have a, a big season. Are you right in, what, in what's been said in that those... Those the chances that he's had that he's either created himself or got on the end of, only he would be able to do it. Like I think that... That shot that Kim mentioned where he side-footed it to Schmeichel, he, he's essentially he's made that himself by being stronger than Vestergaard. He's basically but, but, um, gone shoulder to shoulder and 
barged Vestergaard to the ground and he's, he's, and he's had the chance. And no one else in our team, you'd say, would be able to, to do that. Um, but, Stu, Keen, what you reckon to, to what you'd see Troy season be like? Is he going to be, is he going to end up being our star man under the season? Or is he going to break that the 10 goal barrier that we've talked about? I, I, said, I said earlier that I don't think he'll get 10 goals just because he's given me no reason to believe that he will get better because he hasn't for three years. He's just the same. And I don't think for him, it, it worked in a couple of games playing on the left. Uh, it just seems unnatural to him. And I think that when he, when Raul was free and if that had been the other side, he would have slid him in, no question about it. But when it's on the left-hand side and he's going to use his left, which he probably can't do that well, or the outside of his right, it's easier for him to just take it all on himself. And I don't think he... P- as one player works best inverted. It, it might work for others like Trincao and Neto when he comes back and Pedence, well, Pedence is Pedence, but I think if he's going to be playing there and he's going to be playing inverted again, I can't see him getting more than 10 goals because he's just not, he just hasn't given me anything to believe that he can. I know it sends me being harsh again, but it's just so, it's just so frustrating. I mean, here we are, we are like, Two days later, three days later, it still it still wound me up so much. Still but like, up. but like Kim said though, he created them the chances himself. So we are gonna we are gonna be in this situation again, like we were with Jotter in the last six months, where every time we got through, you knew that you most of the time he'd fuck it up. <laughs> you just you just accepted it because that's that was the going rate. So maybe we do have to be more like Jordan and just accept what he is. And if he does score, then. It's a miracle, and if he does, if the mean is that he's not going to mess it up, then if we get into that mindset, then fine. But for me, I just can't see great, great as he is of what he does. I just can't see him changing. Unfortunately, it's going to flash my, my current beer mat for any uh, YouTube. I'm still using my Troy beer mat at the moment. Um, if you look at the, if you look at, I'm just had a quick Google on on his stats. 141 Premier League appearances. Only seven goals and 14 assists. And for someone that's so influential in a game and how many chances he actually creates half-time for himself, that's, yeah, it's quite astonishing. And even in the season that we're talking about where we said for us he was probably at his best season, 2000, no, 2020-20, no, 2019-20, was it, maybe? Yeah. 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 37 appearances. And still only four goals. So to think he's going to get 10 goals this season, he's going to have to, you know, double his sort of his quality from that season and more. So I can't I can't see it personally. To use the Love Island quite like, you know, a comparison, he, uh, for me, this is his this is his this season's like his Toby moment. He's just gonna more. <laughs> You know, he's going to settle down and he's going to start banging them in. I don't think he'll get 10 goals personally again. However, I do think his output's going to be better, both goals and assists than what it has been for us. I think he's going to mature. The only Love Island reference, the only Love Island reference I know is when someone says, Can we have a chat? So maybe Bruno Bruno will just pull him in for a chat. Well, talk, talking about um, players then who, who get double figures, uh, we'll move on to the goal itself. Jamie Vardy is someone who obviously regularly gets double figures. Um, 
I think we're probably going to be in agreement here that this this goal should have been easily prevented. Um, <laughs> Kim, how did, how how did Pereira get past both Marcel and Matinho after the throw-in? Because I, I I can't believe he managed to get past it to get the crossing. I'm not sure if you're joking when he said it can easily be prevented. I'm hoping you're joking because I genuinely not sure. Let's look if you look, if you watch that game and you were it wasn't Wolves. There's no way that you'd be blaming the defence for that. Honestly, I think that was genuinely really good play from Pereira, and then an unreal finish from Vardy. Like seriously. The- the Vardy one was fine. Yeah, I just I think the cross should never have got in for, for my money. I think we've seen Matinho get done. Well, he was the most dribble pass player in the league well, last year and the year before. So him being beaten is no surprise. But Marcel, it was poor footing from him. But yeah, again, I agree with that. Should It's took a bit of skill to get past two of them. It's no surprise that he's got past them two in particular. But the finish was world class. Nothing you do. And the, the, the celebration was superb as well. But I think I thought that I think that I'm not as as Sue said I'm not surprised getting past Matinho. But Marcel's the he's like a banker for a yellow card half the time. He's not going to just put his hands up and let someone just go past him he, as easy as he did. I, that that was my thoughts. Anyway, I just thought you know that there's no way that he should be getting past two players there. But that was that was my view of it. And then. Um, the goal itself, George. What did you What did you reckon to the the finish? Well, the whole the whole move itself. What was your take on it? Um, one of them should have tripped, pulled Ricardo back, whatever. Take a yellow card. Um, the goal is just class. It's just good movement. And I know we're going to get onto Connor Cody because it's quite topical, and I've got my views on it, um, and probably share very similar views. But what I can't get beyond is people trying to fit the Cody out agenda on this goal. Like, oh, well, Cody should have cleared it because it's the near post. Oh, look how he's gone to clear the ball. But it's all happened within a split second. And Vardy's got the run on him. It doesn't matter if it's Cody or bloody Mosquera or Bolly, you know, someone with a bit more athletic, you'd say. It's just good movement and it's just a very good finish. Like... I don't really think Cody could have done a lot more, if I'm honest with you, with that goal. Um, we'll come on to his all-round play for the other 90 minutes because I know that's going to be quite um, a talking point. But I just don't, I just don't like people's agendas at times on on Twitter. It's like it's just for me, it's just lazy. Yeah, you, you don't have to rate a player, but you can't blame every single second or every single downfall. Uh, oh, he should have been better. Like. No, for me, no, I don't think he could have done any more. It's just a very good finish. And the problem is, the ball should never have come in from the right wing. Pereira should never have been able to get past Martino and Marcel. Don't know what anyone else thinks, but that's just how I viewed that goal, to be honest. I think the issue is that Wolves fans, genericising here, tend to have an agenda with the players that they don't like. So any little sort of wrong thing that Cody does it's like oh my god we need to replace him ASAP but if and I can't even think of a player that's rated at the moment but whoever a player that they particularly rate if they did exactly the same thing it'd be like oh no it's all right it's so and so if it's been Bolly it doesn't get mentioned yeah Bolly there you go exactly if it was Bolly 
no, he's all, it's we still keep him in the team. But if it's Cody, no, he, he's got to go. So I think I agree, actually. I think people don't give a sort of unbiased view. They give their view based on what their opinion of the player is. So before we have a little discussion on um, Cody and the online opinion of him, there was a lot of online opinion as well about Vardy's celebration, which I thought was... I don't know. People are what's the what's the word? Triggered. People are easily triggered, aren't they? You know, on on social media. I even remember uh, on the Saturday night. I think even Sky Sports Twitter account tweeted it saying like, "How about that Wolf celebration? How about that Hell celebration?" Obviously trying to like stoke up the, the flames. But what I didn't see anything wrong with the celebration. I, I throw it open to the, the floor. I thought that's, that's exactly. In fact, I'd have been disappointed if Vardy didn't do anything like that because that's just exactly his character, isn't it? He does it every time. He does it to everyone. It's not just us. There was no one there. Not one person was, oh, I'm offended. No one cared. Everyone was pissed off because it was him again. And he, he was, well, what can you do? And he, he always kind of, when they mentioned it on the Ramble today about how he, Vardy probably suffered more than anyone because he feeds off away fans and pissing everyone off. And that's what he, lo- he loves it, do he? So he's, the, the celebrate. I mean, he did it. And uh, as soon as he, he cupped his hands, I, I did giggle to myself. About, oh, you little twat. But that's what he is. I mean, you, we, you don't want everyone looking like Harry Kane and being all, all sweetness and light when he when he wants to be in the media's eyes. You want characters, and he's a character. He's probably got two years left. Just enjoy him while he's here. Everyone moans all the time about you all being sterile on football's very in the past. Yet when someone does something like that, oh, he offended the Wolves fans. No, he did. No one cared. Nah, it's... It- I'd, you know what? I'd, you know what? People are just you do the same, wouldn't you? If I score, <laughs> I'd do exactly the same. I'd try and roll up. Would you do the, the howl that Jamie Vardy did? I, uh, the wolf pants. I don't know what. Do, well, it's very hypothetical now that I'll be playing. I know, I know, I know you do, George. You attempt another cartwheel. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was the charity game. Yeah, I was like, put my back out. <laughs> no, but you, know, you, you would rather be like a shit bag, like hundred percent, like you know, you just. It is what it is, isn't it? You try and wind up the away fans. At the end of the day, for me, you get, you know, they're getting pelters. You give it back. It's all part of it. It's like, there's nothing like sinister in it. Or, you know, I don't, well, for me, there's nothing sinister in it. Look, it yeah, how? But he used to do it to the Albion, Sheffield yeah. United. Like all these, you know, he used to always score against the Albion and give them shit, which was quite funny. And he did it against Palace, didn't he? And he did like the eagle, yeah. like the bird. Yeah. Exactly, but what's the problem? Like, it's just you know what? It's just it's just twenty twenty one in a nutshell. That is, <laughs> it's it's just like oh, why would be offended? Like, couldn't give a shit. It's horrible, but it's great, and he, no day definitely had a skittle bomb afterwards to celebrate. Well, probably had, probably had one before actually before the game. <laughs> but um, something else, obviously, that's been grabbing people's goat online, and one of one of the one of the few players the other players I want to talk about is um our captain Connor Cody. Now there's probably you get most people agree that he didn't have his best game on Saturday. It wasn't one that he'll look back on fondly, but it's obviously that's amplified online, isn't it? So I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on again the the Twitter RT going after Cody saying that he's he's got to go and I've saw some tweets you know that have been quite explicit in saying that you know, their opinions of him but I want to know where 
where you guys stand. So, Stu, do you want to kick us off by thinking, are people being, is, is Twitter doing what Twitter does and just being dickheads? I'm kind of in two minds because up until Saturday, I hadn't seen anyone really moan that much about Cody. And it's almost like when I mentioned it on the preview show last week that he could be the biggest disappointment of the season for this reason. That our, our influence and our reach has spread far and wide. The people have started taking me seriously. And from what my thinking was last week, he has got flaws in his game that we all know about. He was playing a sweeper role in a defensive side, which kind of covered for a lot of his problems. So when you move system to be an attacking side and he's got to be exposed more, can he deal with it? And when we went, when we played in back fours, yeah, he's played for England, but again, like I said last week, he played for England against relatively poor teams. And that was okay. But coming up against a team like that, he was exposed massively. And it's exactly what I was worried about last week. And it doesn't surprise me. It's more of a surprise that it took this long for people to think that he might not be that good when we change system. (laughs) That's what's shocked me more than anything else. But I think just general, the general pile-on has been massively over the top. Yeah, he had a poor game, and you could see he's coming a mile off. But it's almost like, yeah, Cody's a scapegoat now. Let's lean nail him. I think what people forget, though, is that, like, Vard, you're playing against Vardy. Like, a lot of defenders struggle against Vardy. Even, like, the top defenders, you know, with his pace in behind it's to be expected and obviously this is quite fresh in my mind because I have just watched the highlights and he does obviously get caught out as we know a fair amount of times but he does actually recover a yeah. fair amount of times so probably there is probably like four or five times where he either gets caught out or you know Vardy sort of passed him but there's around say I'll say three or four times where he sort of saves himself and he, you know what it almost reminds me of when Richard Stearman used to be sort of this amazing defender um, in the eyes of Wolves fans because he'd make these, like, last-ditch tackles. But that was only because he was either out of position in the first place or just, yeah, just not a great defender all round. And I'm not saying, obviously, Cody's a better better class defender than Stearman, but I don't think you can take him out of the team unless unless we find a, a leader because if you take him out of the team... We haven't got many leaders on that pitch. I think we've got a ready-made leader. Uh, the king has just not been crowned yet. <laughs> yeah. I, I um, and I stuck up for him for the goal, but I think that's and I, I've I've said you know I've quite openly spoke about his limitations against a big guy. Mitrovic always gives him nightmares historically. Abraham tore him a new one. That for me, I generally think that was his worst performance in a wolf shirt. Saturday. Yeah, easily. And at heart, like, I thought he was all over the shop, honest to God. And no, I don't think he could do anything else with the ball. But there was a time in the second half where he sort of just, like, miscontrolled the ball a little bit. And then all of a sudden they're on the break on us. And again, like, I completely get why people are saying we need to drop him to improve. I, I believe we've had, I believe that players have reached the ceiling with the old Nuno regime. And Conor Cody's probably hit his ceiling. He probably is not going to get any better. Do I want him to be sold? No. Like I generally think he's got a place in the squad. But if we are aiming for this, you know, 
European spots again. Should he be a guaranteed starter for Wolves? No. If in the tr- that's the honest truth, and he had a shocker, an absolute shocker. And I think that a lot of the stuff on Twitter is fine. A lot of it's very sensationalised and over the top for likes and retweets and bang out of order. To be honest with you, for a player that's you know been with us for so many years and you know he, he does he doesn't deserve that. He doesn't deserve to be lynched online. I think he'll know and address it himself that he's had a bad game, but. The barometer for me on Wolf's Twitter is always King Kev, Kev G Wolf. And if Kev, Kev Wolf saying Cody's got to come out in the squad, well, at the starting eleven, then Cody's got to come out the starting eleven. Is he now? Is he? Is he now? Just on that one then? Yeah, Kev, Kev's tweeted saying, "Yeah, Kev tweeted," and that that for me is enough to say, you know what? The King the people has spoken. Tweeted. Yeah, the King has spoken. <laughs> he had so, a bad uh, game. Hang on a minute. He had a bad game, but. It wasn't as bad as you're making out. No, it was. Like, it was. He was out of position, but he recovered himself. Like no. three out, three out of the six times, he had to like make last ditch tackle. That doesn't I, make it okay. I'm not saying. But, you know, can I just say this then? I can't believe I'm even saying this. How many times was King Kilman out of position? I'm like converted now. He was. Yeah. He was hey. Maldini. How many like, times has he ever been out of position? None. Killed all you like, All you that. like. I agree that, but again on Saturday. Um, I definitely can on Saturday. But that um, goes without saying, doesn't it? We all know he's a great defender. I know. I know. I'm, this is like I'm now part. This is like the King Kilman original trio, and like I've been like converted. I feel like I'm part of the team now. Welcome um, to the club. Welcome, welcome to the club, George. It's King <laughs> Kilman Club with a K. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, in <laughs> Cody was. I, I can't defend him. I thought it was generally was. I think his worst game in Wolfshire and. If okay, if Mosquera and Bolly are fit, he's not playing Saturday, Sunday. If it, but I know they're not going to be, it's just me hypothetically talking. Like, he would not be starting that game on Sunday if they were fit. Uh, just before people pull us up on this, we can't have King Kilman Club with a K because we can't have KKK branding on ourselves. Let's just put that out there right now. But, um, yeah, I, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be starting for me either if. And especially in the back four, I'll put it on. Someone mentioned it earlier on. I can't remember who on Twitter saying about if we're playing a back four, we've never had a back four with Kilman and Bolly together. It's never been tried. But why? Why has it not been tried? Because Cody has to play all the time. Now it's not so much. Now it's a clean slate. And when he's fit, why not try? Yeah, and to add to that as well, some of these people who are like are playing in defensive midfield, not being funny, <laughs> he couldn't play in defensive midfield. In the championship team, like there's a reason why he's playing right back because he wasn't good enough to play there in that squad originally. So, if he's not as playing centre half, he can't be starting. I'd, and again, I'm not selling him or lynching him out. Great bloke, can't really say a bad word about him. But do I think he should be a, gen, uh, a regular start in this Wolves team moving forward? No. If we play a back five, he still starts. If we play a back four. He could be out of the team. See? But then, like, okay, so if Bolly and Mosquera are fit, who's your back three? Bolly, Mosquera, and Cody. Not so King Gilman. Oh no, no! At the moment, it's me. But what you're asking me, what, like, what would and actually have to play in a back three? He's got to play in a five. Like, sure. Well, again, Mosquera running in a little bit about, but this is what I mean, like. You, you, your best three centre halves at the minute are Bolly. You'd say, um, Bolly, Mosquera, and Kilman for me. 
I'm not saying I'm not I'm nowhere near King Kilman club with a C. Yeah, but who well, takes that sort of middle sweeper role out of those three? We don't really know because we've never seen any of them do Coleman, the futsal man. Well, let's um, let's open adjourn the first season's meeting of the King Kilman Club, and let's let's talk about the King because I think obviously three, three out of the four of us on this pod it w- it would naturally have been biased anyway towards the King, but. Uh, the stats and everyone else show that the King had a very regal game on Saturday. And he was one of the best players on, if not, if not our best player, you know, and I want to get everyone's thoughts on are people slowly coming around to our way of thinking that the King is one of, is, is indeed one of the best defenders that we've got. He's, I don't know why it's taken this long, maybe because now he's got license to actually show what he can do with the ball at his feet. Ridiculous enough, because obviously he played futsal, like everyone knows. Um, and I, I do think if he uh, if he was foreign, that it would be different. I think it is just a, a kind of because he came from where he came from. Everyone thinks, oh, it's cheap, and he's oh, he can't possibly be any good. Then, yeah, it's unconventional, but you can't. You know, every, he's never let us down mm. ever. Every time he, he he turns up, he's always at least a seven out of ten, just solid. He just turns up, does his job, and then he's out of the team again for a month for, for whatever ridiculous reason. But you put him in there, first game of the season, and he's man the match against Leicester, who finished wherever they finished. Who should have been in the Champions League if then if then fucked it up again. And it's they've just they've just won the Community Shield the, the week before, and he's gone there and he's taking the piss and he's, he's driving runs into the penalty area at the end of the game. Yeah. It's just incredible. And, I don't and know, he was playing right centre back. Yeah, and he's left footed, yeah. and. I just don't. It's always always baffled me. I, we, it kind of started as a joke to start with, but within well, a few games, well, there was talk about an England call up when we got to the Leeds game last season. How well he was playing, and then he was dropped. We didn't see him again for a month for no reason at all. So for me, it's just been it's been a long time coming that he's he's getting the appreciation that he deserves. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and George, I'm interested in your views as well, because obviously uh, we, we, we're slowly getting you around into the into the KKK. So, uh, <laughs> what you, you tell me your thoughts then on what on what you thought about Kilman? Very good. Just very. I don't know what to say. Just very good. <laughs> he was, um, yeah. Just I was really impressed. Um, he hadn't won me over. Ever and like you know, to be honest with you, I thought he played well at Leeds away last year, but I still thought top end championship player. But if you can do that consistently, then we've got the Ukrainian Maldini, like I've already said. So, um, and I'm going to say he's Ukrainian because it'd be very uncool to say he's English because let's go with the Ukrainian yeah. international. Um, he was really good and didn't put a foot wrong. Um, his dribble at the end of the game was good as well possibly could have scored um and yeah like for me at the moment well you're asking me now to pick a team on on sunday he's, he's my first name at the back which is i can't believe the words coming out of my mouth but <laughs> Kilmer would be the first name on the team for me at the back and just to finish off, well, finish off on this part on this section, then uh, Kim, any other standout players for you uh, apart from Kilman, obviously? Any other standout players from Wolves that you saw on Saturday? I don't genuinely think that 
anyone was outstanding apart from Kilman and Traore to a point. But one point I do want to make is I think that it showed that in for me in terms of fullbacks there was a lack of quality and I think that the game may have been different if we actually had Aitnuri and Samedo getting forward. Because when I've just watched those highlights, the amount of time that the fullbacks actually got into positions that were a lot further forward than what we've been used to, um, I think, generally. And I think that if we'd have potentially even just started Aitnuri, I think you might have seen a bit better output because the amount of times that they were literally on the byline and just, especially Hoover, I reckon it was about six, seven times. He just put an awful ball into the box. He put one good ball in the box where Jimenez probably should have done a little bit better. Um, So for me, I just hope that Samedo's back, um, right back, and and hopefully we go out Nuri left back for Tottenham, but... I can't see it. I still think Marcel will probably start and then maybe Samedo will hopefully come in if he's fit. I think uh, with, with Marcel, I think Marcel is kind of it, almost like he's covering left side of central defence as well, mm-hmm. more than that because of the weakness there. I think that's that's that has to really be the only reason why he's here because Large signed off on signing out Nuri anyway. So he obviously rates him as well. He wouldn't yeah. he wouldn't agree to it if not. So that's the only thing that makes any any kind of sense. And against a team that's going to attack you like Spurs, you prove, well, you don't know him, you know, but um, yeah, I, I agree with you because it very much looked like you got two defenders playing wing backs when. Yeah. They almost might... look like centre backs to me. They don't look. Yeah. They are, though, aren't they? I, I generally think Hove, I said it on the previous show, I think Hove is a right, right of the back three, in mm. my opinion. And I think Marcel. Who's playing for Leon in the Champions League, left centre half out of the three. So it's like for me, having those two as wing backs is like having Ella Kobe and Ryan Bennett. Because the, <laughs> the, 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 the end ball, you just know like the quality going into the box isn't going to be good enough. And don't get wrong, we all loved a bit of Ella Kobe and Bennett, Lord Bennett, as he should be called. But um as wing backs for me, it just doesn't work and it does sort of nullify you and yeah, let's, let's not dwell on it. I, I still think there was enough positives in that game to feel positive, but just a few minor tweaks and we'll be fine. I'm just um, just uh, on individual players' front. What did we think of the debutants, Saar and Trinquer, and also a little word on on Jimenez on his first official game back? How well do we think those three players did? Um, I thought Trinquer looked as good as I've seen him so far. I didn't think he did a lot in the preseason games, but you, you know you can't take anything out of that. He could have maybe scored as well. I think Trincao playing off that right will look a lot better with a, a wing back bombing on. I think him and Samedo will probably link up a lot better than him and Hoover because Samedo's natural runs will take take a runner with him, give him a bit more space to cut inside. Uh, Jimenez, good seeing back. Still going to take him a bit of time, I think, to get up to full speed. I still think there's a. I do still think there's an opportunity or a big question mark as to whether if Harry Kane gets sold to Man City, whether Nuno comes knocking, and Saar, other than pick the ball out of the back of his net, I don't really remember him or recall him having to be to do that much in the game. So, yeah, I thought you know all, all three were solid. Probably six and a half, seven out of ten performances, I'd say. Yeah, I think, I think- so. 
Go on. Go on. I was, was going to say, Sarah had that one save from distance that he pushed around the post. Yeah, but awesome. he didn't look scared of coming off his line, which is what we, we knew. That's anyway. exactly what I was about to say. It's, it's, I'm not, I think it was encouraging, but he was like a shot off his line a few times. And he thought, oh, I'm sure there was a few times where you thought, oh, he'd probably made the wrong decision there, but it was blue for a foul or something. Um, so I think he's definitely going to be, I think, as we know, a different style keeper to Patricio. He's going to come off his line and hopefully sort of claim it. But I think, again, we've got to, we've got to give him time as well because it's a, it's a new league. Um, but I think both him and Trinka will probably, you'll see, you'll see the best of them, you know, after the first 10 games and be able to give a, Sort of proper opinion on them. I don't think it's fair to sort of start judging them this early in the season. Do we have any final and the final note then on this game? Do we have any uh, feedback on the first impressions of Bruno and any? Do we see any notable differences between him and Nuno's style? Because on the face of it, you think it kind of been a bit similar. You know, okay, first half, better second, but. Um, did we see any notable differences? I'm, I'm assuming we're going to agree that a draw probably would have been a fair result as well. I mean, it's very rare where you come away with from the defeat, but a defeat that's semi as frustrating as that was for the reasons we've already mentioned. But I can't wait for Sunday. I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And from the, the dirge and nonsense that we've had to suffer for the last 18 months <laughs> under, under him, it was so refreshing to actually attack. And go forward and not be scared to go over the halfway line. Do you not think you're being a bit over like dramatic? Me? Yeah, I genuinely like subtle differences, but I mean, let's be honest, we started with a back five still, fair enough because we still haven't got the players to properly play a back four. But I don't know. I still think we were pushed up a little bit further, but I don't think we were pla- we played this pressing game that you know that we thought we might do like you know hunting for the ball sixes and sevens you know a bit like what Brentford did to Arsenal like it weren't wasn't like that was it let's be honest but Brentford have had three years of doing that though and we've had three months so no I I was just I'm I'm kind of emphasizing it for comic effect but no I I genuinely genuinely are I'm really looking forward to something because it's just such a change and yeah it's we kind of talked about it last week about how a back five, three, five, two, whatever doesn't have to be a negative thing. You, it's a it's a system, but within that system, it can be positive. And I mean, to have seventeen shots away at Leicester, yeah, only three were on target, whatever. But to have seventeen shots, we probably didn't have seventeen shots in a month last season. It was just it's a, a breath of fresh air that you can see getting better and better. And, it, and for a first game, I was well impressed. Yeah, no, I agree. So, talking then on Sunday, um, we'll discuss the ga- that game and the return of him in a minute. Hi everyone, Matt from Wolves Fancast here. If you're anything like me, time is of the essence these days. How am I meant to take training with my wonder kids on the managerial football simulation game that I'm not allowed to mention for legal reasons if I'm too busy worrying about my online media presence? Well, that's where our friends at PixelYetiMedia.com come in. They're not just web designers. They're a creative agency that cover all of your design needs from websites, brochures and signage to marketing, logo design and branding. So go check them out at PixelYetiMedia.com. 
they'll get you set up quicker than Adama Traore running at a terrified left back. Speaking of which, who's got my baby oil? Okay, uh, welcome back to Wolves Fancast. We are now going to discuss the game on Sunday coming up. Uh, it promises to be a bit of a dynamite occasion on Sunday. We're going to have a, a full house back at Molyneux again for the first time in 18 months. Everyone will probably be out, out nice and early again for this one in the pubs around the town. Um, we've got Spurs. Do we know anything about the manager at all? Anyone want to um, take this one up? Where we've obviously got a bit of Nuno versus Bruno sentiment brewing online, and has been for like the last twenty four forty eight hours. Where I've no, well, I think we probably all noticed some tweets. Uh, some people going wanting to go to the extremes of giving Nuno an, another royal welcome back on on the coaches at Molyneux to wanting to give him a standing ovation when he comes out to the dugouts and ch- chant his name. Others saying, well, he's the enemy now. We need to be chanting for Bruno, not Nuno. Uh, Kim, where do, you, where do you stand on this? Before we dive into the game itself, what, what's your views on this Nuno versus Bruno? And the, and the people, again, going a bit <laughs> off-piste with, their, with their, their viewpoints online and... Not I don't understand boring, but I can see. I don't understand why people are making such a big thing on this, and you've almost got to like pick your side. <laughs> like I don't really. Obviously, I love Nuno, and you know it's going to be weird. He's got his new like look as well. I think that's the worst thing, isn't it? He looks a lot more tidier. You know, he's got his <laughs> new little jacket, and that's like really seeing that Sunday. I was like, oh. So never all that for us. <laughs> yeah. you know he was like um, the homeless man on the ring road, didn't he? After the album, exactly. <laughs> but six months' time, do you reckon he'll still look like that when he's at Tottenham? And I doubt, I doubt he will. He'll look like he'll get that big coat back out, won't he? Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm because I think it's fair to say you, we shouldn't be giving him like we shouldn't be waiting for the coach and all that palaver that happened against Man United because that would just be embarrassing to do that again, wouldn't it? But I don't know. I think maybe is it better better at the end of the game to, like, give him a clap rather than before because, you know, we want to win the game so we should be getting behind our own team, behind the new manager. It's a first game, first competitive game at home. It's not really... To be fair, it's not even ideal timing, is it? Because... I think whatever's happened, I think there's going to be drama, isn't there? There's going to be, there's probably going to be fighting in the stands over it or something. No ball. <laughs> probably. <laughs> don't need Nuno to come back for that. Yeah. <laughs> no. For, for me, it's um, I've got to agree. Like the, again, like Twitter's just balmy. It's like you got people who want like a songs of praise hymn sheet <laughs> on the seats. <laughs> And I'm like, thinking, honest to God, what the fuck is this? And then you've got people who are like, you've got to make it hostile and horrible and fuck Nuno and all this sort of stuff. And it's like, well, when is Molyneux never not hostile? You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be it's going to be hostile. Everyone's like making out like it needs to be like fucking war-torn and we need to start throwing flares <laughs> fans. And it's like, I don't see what's wrong with if there's like a little, and I mean this, like a little ripple of applause 
and then that's it. Like, you know, that, what's wrong with that? Like, I'm sure I'll, I'm not the only one who hopes we beat him 5-0. I want to see him crying and pulling his beard like angry Santa. I, don't, I, I generally want him to be... I, don't, I want him to hate every minute of it, but you can't not respect the man for what he's done for the large part of his time at Wolves. And I just don't get all this, oh, uh, well, fuck him. Fuck, you know, I'm sorry, there's going to be a lot of fucks in this. In this I'll, I'll, I'll just put it on explicit, it's fine. <laughs> am I am I wrong in that? Like, are you the same as me? That it's like, well, surely you can respect someone, and like, without and still want to make it hostile. Like, I don't get all this. He's dead. He's not dead. He's on the sideline. But at the same time, I'm not going to be shouting Nuno had a dream, and like, like clapping at Eddie Spurs goals. That bit's just stupid. Well, <laughs> surely he's surely he's moved on already. That he's he's a professional man. He will have moved on, and so should we. He looks but, like he's going out on a night out in Camden on Sunday. He's, he's definitely moved on. Looked like he was going to fucking again. I've said it again. Sorry. <laughs> like he was going to Bilston Market when he was at what last season. Like, he's a different man. So yeah, he's just a pop, just I'm a pop sure world. if they score, if they score, there's no way he, he probably won't. He probably will celebrate. It annoyed me so. if he didn't. It would annoy me if he didn't. He's it's like he's, he's, now. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying that he shouldn't. I'm just saying that. No, no, but if he's not, I think again, if he's like, oh, like, does this, I hate it when play, you know, players put their hands up, like, I'm really sorry. Don't be sorry. You're employed by a club to do a job now. So, yeah, I don't want to see him punching the air and giving it the whole thing, but I don't want him to be, you know, I don't want him it to is... be respectful to us either. If we're not going to be respectful to him, why should he be respectful to us? Kim said the same. And she, Kim said it right. It's the, wor- the worst possible thing was for us to have him back down at Monterey first game of the season. If it had been like November time, we might have, you know, and you might be in a bit of a in a bad run or something. We could all have accepted a bit more. You know, the feeling would have gone by then. But to get him first game, and people's probably feeling still a bit raw. They never got to say goodbye to him at the Man United game, etc., etc. But. Stu, what are you going to do? Are you going to give him a, a rousing reception when he's when he takes the stand, or are you going to be throwing your season ticket at him? Well, if you throw your season ticket, you're going to have a long <laughs> way to get a card, are you? At this rate, <laughs> um, that's that's another nonsense story. But for a bit of context: when I got on the um, on the Atherton on Saturday, there were genuinely people. There was five of them came up to me and said, "You got your wish, then, didn't you? What are you about?" So you, it was you and your type got rid of him. You got him out of the club. I, went, I know, and I'm glad. Fucking. <laughs> <laughs> I said if he was, if he'd still still been here, I wouldn't have renewed because I couldn't have took it anymore. It, it was bored. I was bored to the core. But yeah, like Jordan said, you can't hate him. That's silly. That's nonsense. Obviously, he did amazing things for us. It just, it was the end of the road, as boys and men have said many times. <laughs> A nice ripple of applause because I think it kind of plays into our hands because is it this COVID nonsense? Is it still one team first and not two teams together that are coming out of the tunnels? Yeah, especially so, tight, isn't it the tunnel? Yeah, well, um, so I think that's going to play into our hands because either way, he's going to get a separate applause than Bruno is. Ideally, he comes out first because is it away away teams come out first? Oh. Yeah, yeah. So he'll get his applause then. And then a bigger roar for when Bruno comes out. I think he works perfectly for us. And then once we've thrashed him or whatever, he'll get a nice send up, a nice round of applause from the South Bank. You'd imagine as he's walking off the, the, the pitch. That's all it has to be because that's what it was with, with when McCarthy came back. 
that's what it was when Dave. Well, did Dave Jones ever come back with Cardiff? He must have done. I think he must have. Yeah, yeah, he must have done. Yeah, so it's though. yeah, so it's the ones who've achieved things. You recognise it, but don't go over the top. Don't be silly. But that, again, that's a, that's a respect. That's all that needs to happen. Everything else, everyone's moved on now. He's got he's got his new life. He looks better. Fine. He'll balloon by winter. We all know this, as we all will. Um, but yeah, anything more than that, you need to you need to have your hard drive checked. Let's just put it in there. Yeah, but there's like people on Twitter who are like Lord and save. It's like the Pope coming like for the Catholics. That's how they're treating it. Like, oh, we're gonna get the the red car back for him. Then you got the other half. It were like the like the one who assassinate him. It's appeared. <laughs> Like, like, hang on a minute. Like, can't you just respect what someone's done and still want to beat them? Like, I don't understand this. I don't get it. To be quite honest, I don't know whether it's. I think they've all got. They've all got a screw loose, haven't they? They've all of them have got a screw loose. Whether they're Nuno lovers or Nuno haters, I genuinely think they've all got a screw loose. Personally, we the weirdos who are like sort of balanced. Then do we need? Do we need to pick a side? Yeah, it's a civil war, eh? <laughs> Either way, if you're a new known lover or hater, someone's going to be there with like a bed sheet or a sign on Sunday. <laughs> Thank you for all you've done for us. Yeah. Kiss. Thank you, Nuno. But guaranteed. Yeah, I mean, it's it is baffling. It's like like as we've said, it's everyone's picking sides, and I guarantee there's going to be definitely be some arguments, isn't there, in the stands when someone's someone's booing, probably. Like I say, going over the top for comic effect. Someone will be booing away. The next person, definitely going to have a go, aren't they? Definitely going to have a go. It's probably in the South Bank, <laughs> if, anywhere, if anywhere else. they in the face, aren't they, at some point? Someone's going to have food or a bottle. Or <laughs> just couldn't see it happening, Marla. It's all going to kick off. That's just Wolves to a T. But how do we think the game itself is going to go then? So Because he had, he had a good result against um, Man City. Um, probably, I would say, somewhat an unrespect, un- unexpected win against Man City. But then again, you know, you know, he did, he did have quite a good record over the bull fraud in um, in his time at Wolves. So, how do we how do we see it going? I'm gonna we're gonna re- assume at this point in time it will be another caneless Spurs until that situation gets resolved. But Stu, I'll come to you first. How do you see it going and what do you think the score will be? Well, I thought I, my preview for the for the Leicester game, I said 3-3 and I got that wrong. But it was as it was as entertaining as a 3-3 could have been. I can see it I can see it again. I mean he just played he played the new no playbook there against Man City, two a T. Exactly. It's him on the break, be compact, be organized, do your jobs. You know exactly what he's going to do. Solutions. Yeah. <laughs> you got solutions without Kane, almost like he's using sweetener. <laughs> I expect him to do that, even though it's little old wolves now and the mighty Spurs are coming to town. I can't see him playing like they did under Mourinho against us when we should have beat them. I think we've got more about us now from an attacking point of view. It's going to be the story of the season. If we can get at them, then I fancy us to score a few. If they hit us on the break, we fucked. Especially if if that same back three is there, other than King Kilbert, of course. But neck on the line, 
I'd fancy us for a two-one win at this point in the, this point in time on Monday Monday night. With you expect now new signings, maybe Samado he's played in the uh, the under twenty threes tonight. So if he comes back in, I fancy us. And I wouldn't I wouldn't have said that two weeks ago. Absolutely no chance. George, how do you see it going? I fancy us big time. I do. After watching us and watching them, and I know that's ridiculous because we just beat Man City. Nuno isn't going to change his style that he had with Walt. Like he's going to try and stink the place out away from home, play for a point. He's going to try and play for nil-nil at half-time and try and nick something in the second half and play on moments. Exactly like they did against Man City. Mm. A bit of some brilliance where, in reality, Diaz probably should have blocked the ball anyway. That That's what they're going to do again. And I think we can get at them. And I think that, you know, Man City played like walking football at time. I don't know what they were doing, really. Um, at the end of the day, they've got Jaffa Tanganga, Davison Sanchez and Eric Dyer at the back. We should... Be able to get at that and cause problems, and I don't think Man City did anywhere near enough to hurt them. And yeah, I'm with you. I think we'll beat them two, three, one. Oof. Positivity's brimming here, Kim. Are you going to take us over the line, positivity hat trick, or are you going to? No, I might have to bring us down. Back You're going to hit us with some impending doom. <laughs> no, I, I genuinely think it'll be. I've done a lot of sitting on the fence on this podcast, and this is not like me, but I genuinely think it's going to be sort of a, mate, I think a high-scoring draw. I'm going to go a 2-2. Um, I can see Son getting in behind, um, yeah, behind Cody probably. <laughs> um, you know, he's going to be playing up top again, isn't he? I would imagine Kane won't start. Um would Doherty start, potentially? Because I think they were saying that they played Tam Tanga just because of the lack of sort of pace from Doherty. And I think that, you know, Nuno obviously did at times prefer Doherty when he when he played for us when we were sort of on the attack. So, yeah, 2-2, two, two, I'm going. I'm being optimistic, but I'm not getting carried away. <laughs> Doc against Traore. <laughs> We'll see. After you just slated him the whole podcast. Yeah, well, that's what he can do there. He can go, he can run at people and beat them. He can't do anything after that. If he passed it off once he'd done that, then that's fine. No problem there. We'll just raise a point though there with Doherty. Doherty was with us for like 10 seasons, so does he get a loud ripple of applause? He or was not. hated when he was here <laughs> for no reason at all. <laughs> well, it's something to ask, uh, you know, Wolves Twitter. If they wanted to like, if they want to assassinate Nuno, what do they want to do with Doctor? It's like Mr. Burns and Wayland Smithers coming back. <laughs> Ask Kev what he thinks. Kev Wolf, what he thinks. He's the barometer. <laughs> so, well, I mean, we all seem to be roundly pretty positive there. No one's tipping us for a loss, uh, which is a good thing. And so hopefully Bruno gets the better of Nuno on Sunday. Um, so we're going to call it there. Ladies and gentlemen, um, again, we're delighted to be part of the, the 90 minute network here at the Wolves Fancast. You can follow us on the socials at Wolves Fancast and all the socials on Twitter, Facebook, Insta, YouTube. Get on there, get liking, and get subscribing, please. So, all that remains to say is take care, and we'll be back after the game on Sunday against Spurs. See you all later. <laughs> Who would be a Wolves fan, eh? <laughs>